0: Hello and welcome again uh, to the Truth in Real Estate and More Unscripted. I am host Keith Hadding from NC Realty Services and South Bay Developers. So I am delighted that you were listening in on this. Uh, I, let's just leave it at that. I'm delighted that you're here. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna steal some thunder tonight uh, on the talk a little bit about the mortgage crisis, and I'm gonna call it a crisis because. Uh, Rose called it, Rose called it that in her article, Rose Morrison, that it was a crisis. And and I'll explain what that means in terms of a uh, real estate or mortgage crisis. We're going to talk about the mortgage crisis portion of that tonight. You know, it's pretty easy to tell. I, I was recently on a trip driving down the road with um, my son slash entrepreneur, and we were commenting on all the large a large and expensive priced homes going up in the particular market that we were driving through. And, you know, his question was, well, where, what's, where's the workforce at for this? What what area is supporting the kind of income necessary to be in these half a million dollar houses? And so I said, well, let's just do the math. And it made me think that I probably should share that math, um, to give you a general idea of what the, um, uh, Workforce should look like that lives in a neighborhood of say half a million dollar houses or quarter million dollar houses, and the and the difference in those are you know ninety percent of the time or more are going to be the income levels that a family has. Now, you know he obviously commented right off. Well, you know typical family today is a two party working family, husband and wife. I always believe that when um, the orange man said that you know make America great again my interpretation of that was that you would need two parties in the family working in order to be able to pay your bills. And therefore our um, adults, family members, I don't want to, I want to be politically correct here because it could be husband, not just wife. Although in the traditional sense, when I was growing up, uh, mom was the one raising the family at home and dad was off uh, making the money to pay the bills. So you almost can't do that today. If if you want to live in the area or or, uh, neighborhoods that are at your specific intelligent and and work-related levels are in other words like-minded people gather together to worship and they do so to live so um, you tend to be more on the social scale with your neighbors because you live in similar housing similar communities etc all right i want to be step on any you know, of toes there. I'm trying to be as polite and as delicate as I can saying that I don't mean any harm or bad, by it. I just mean that's the norm. You know, if, if my income level, my career um, produces a value uh, for the family that says I can live in a half a million dollar house, then that's what I'm going to do. And I'm going to be surrounded by people in the subdivision who have similar or better jobs that can afford to live in half a million dollar subdivisions with me. So. That's just, that's all we mean by that. So the housing, the current housing crisis that we have, and if you look back a couple podcasts ago, where I said we we didn't have a housing recession going on, and you can have a recession with negative GDP, so if the growth is not there, then for two quarters or more, and we're into our third quarter of none, then you're in a recession. But recessions are different, and that's where all this conversation and conflict is coming from right now is that one person wants to argue we're in a recession the next person wants to argue we're not the recession might not be impacting everybody the same and it certainly in this case is not impacting the housing market the same at the end of the day it is going to impact the housing market and that's what we're going to talk about today because we already talked about the fact that we have a shortage of homes in the marketplace in the last podcast where we talked about there not being a housing recession All right, so you know what does it mean to be a housing crisis? Um, In the past few years, home prices have risen at such a high point, right? It's just been crazy with the shortage of houses, how quickly the price has gone up. In 2020, 30% of all households had unaffordable mortgage or rent payments. Now, what are we calling unaffordable? It's unaffordable anytime you have to spend more than 30% of your monthly income on your home. Now, this is also true when you go to apply for a mortgage. Banks have different overlays, but typically somewhere between 27 and 32 or 33% is the maximum amount that they will allow you to take from your uh, monthly income to apply to your mortgage or rent payment. And so that that is the same in reverse, which is what they're talking about here. Uh, As I take this article, I'm reading from today from the appraisal buzz. So give them a shout out. And um, so uh, if home prices continue to rise, who's going to buy them, right? In my last one, I talked about there wasn't a housing shortage and that realtors that were complaining that their business had dried up. I suggested to them and to you that they were just marketing the wrong client because their $500,000 subdivision is no longer being bought by the $500,000 worker because of inflation, his money's not going as far and prices have gone up because of the housing shortage. And so now you have to be advertising to that $600,000, $700,000, $800,000 customer because they're the ones that are going to be stepping back to do the $500,000 house. So your your whole marketing campaign has been in the wrong direction. And if you weren't quick enough to see it coming and start hedging your bets in that direction, then that's why your business is dried up. People are still buying houses and we're still buying houses at record rates. We're, We're selling more homes this year than we did last year. Year over year, we're spending more because there are more people in the market to buy. And because there's less in the market, that's the the situation that we're in today. So if I'm driving by like I was with my son and he's talking about the working capital of the subdivision, you know, you you quickly take this uh, $500,000 house, right? And 30% of that is $150,000. That person has to be making $150,000 a year or more or that family. Now, husband and wife could be making $75,000 Seventy-five thousand a piece—that would still work. Um, Somebody—you could be, be $150,000. One makes a hundred, the other makes fifty. But at the end of the day, if you don't have the hundred and fifty thousand dollars of uh, revenue, then you can't make that that payment on that third at that thirty percent level. Now, let's complicate things a little. Mortgage interest rates have a factor—an uh, impact on that, right? Because the reality of it is, is that you're spending it on a monthly basis. We don't typically. Um, buy a house by saying, what's the end? What will I have paid for this house if I pay every payment on time for 30 years? No, we go in and say, how much down, how much a month? Like you do with a car, how much down, how much a month? house, how much down, how much a month? That's what I'm actually going to be paying. So that's kind of what I need to know what fit in my budget. So this uh, $150,000 income family on this half a million dollar house, actually has to be able to make twelve thousand five hundred dollars a month because at twelve thousand five hundred dollars a month they will be afforded thirty seven hundred and fifty dollars for their payments. Does that make sense? So let's take a more uh, a more re- reasonable approach to this and bring the numbers down to uh, our average home sale here in Brunswick county is a little over four hundred thousand dollars today and I'm not sure that's reasonable because the people who support us here in brunswick county that help do um, deal with the tourist trade and those kind of things they they don't tend to be able to stay in that average um, average house either so let's take somebody who makes i don't know 25 an hour and works 40 hours a week that's a thousand dollars there are 4.3 months in a weeks in a month so he's making forty-three hundred dollars a month he's probably paying somewhere around 20% in taxes. So he's bringing home $3,440 and 30% of that is $1,032. Now, what does a $1,000 mortgage payment make for you today, right? That's $125,000 maybe, $150,000. It just depends on what interest rates you're gonna get. The higher the interest rate goes, the less that money is going to buy for you. And it's almost not realistic at $1,000 a month. Now it's hard in my market area to even you can't rent for a thousand dollars. If you do, you're you're renting in substandard housing. So that kind of shows us how the numbers are impacted by all the ancillary things around the housing market. If, if inflation causes materials to go up. Therefore, the price needs to go up because the builder had to spend more to build the house. So he has to take his price up in a short market where there's not a lot of supply like it has been here. We've had a shortage and it is in most places in the country really then then you also get the supply and demand and because a builder can get more because he's going to get multiple offers. He will tend to get more and therefore driving the price up again. So if you have 9% of this is based on inflation, for example, uh, it, that's it, it's almost going to hit the housing market twice because you're going to get demand on the market, but you're also going to get the material upcharge. And in the construction world, and it's not always true, but when I do a lot of my construction, my flips and things like that, I think of 50% material and 50% labor. Now, that, that cart gets out of balance from time to time. But it's a pretty good rule of thumb idea to just give you some idea. If you're going to spend, you know, $3,000 up for the material to build this deck, you got a $6,000 deck there because the guy building it is going to want to charge you as well. And if you build it yourself and say it didn't cost me anything, that's foolish. Your time is worth something as well. It just means that you didn't have to pay it out of your pocket. You paid it in sweat equity, but you still paid for it. As an appraiser, all I care about is it's a finished product. Right? people say to me well what about this Italian tile on the floor it's doing the same thing the carpet was doing it's doing the same thing the hardwood were doing that's a personal preference does the floor covering cover the floor is it adequately covering the floor where it's not a trip hazard and where it's uh, it, where its appeal in the marketplace would be equal or greater so uh, you, you don't tend to get a lot of user specific value in the appraisal world But something like adding a deck, you're going to get some value for that. And uh, how much value depends on your market and how your market reacts to outdoor living space. Some places it's absolutely critical. I've had people say to me before, well, that swimming pool is not worth any money, right? It's not worth anything. No, you're wrong. Everything is worth something. An appraiser's job is to figure out what the market says that's worth in the marketplace. Not to buy and build it brand new. The example I give to most homeowners that, homeowners that question that for me is I'll say, if you got a house A here with a two car garage and you have house B, which is the exact same house, except it does not have the garage. Now let's say it costs $25,000 to build the garage. Is the difference between house A and house B the $25,000? Most people say yes. And I'm going to say no because I would buy the house without a garage spend the twenty-five thousand dollars, and i would have a brand new garage house a's garage is existing and was built when the house was built so it's going to have some portion of that value now some people will argue cost minus depreciation equals value that's not true it, it could be true i mean you know a, a a clock with a dead battery is right twice a day so it's possible that it could hit the number and, and be accurate but But that's not really the way that thing is by design to be done. We got to look at the market and say, you know, this house over here had a deck and this house didn't. How much more did the person pay for that deck? This house had a garage and this one didn't. How much more were they willing to pay for the house with the garage? And so an appraiser determines what those multiplying factors or values are. And then normally, if I take my grid and you came up and you said, here's three more comps, we want you to look at these three. I could plug them in and use the exact same adjustments. And 99.9% of the time, it's going to support what I already have in the report because the, the comps are there just to show you what the adjustments were, the rate by which I adjusted, the opinions of that, of those adjustment patterns. Anytime something is different, maybe two houses had a deck, but this guy's deck's falling apart. And so I didn't make nearly as high a value. I'm going to make a note somewhere as to why I did that, why it was uniquely different, even though it looks like in the grid that it should have been the same. So anyways, how'd you get me off on appraisal? Oh my goodness. We're talking about the housing crisis. Now I I read uh, or heard someone say today, I believe it was a um, Facebook video, maybe a TikTok. I don't know how much credibility you want to give those things. I say, do your own research. Uh, This gentleman was proposing that he was told that there were going to be 3.8 million people thrown out of their homes this year. Uh, 3.8 million homes is about what the deficit of homes was considered to be, or the home shortage based upon this article in the appraisal buzz. I say to you, it's greater than that. and has been. Here's why. We measure homes built across the country in 10 year increments. See if you take, um, any of your measurements, like um, uh, populations, for example, and we talk about the different generations, right? The boom, baby boomers and the generation X's and how they're going to go X, y, Z, a, B, C. um If As long as you measure them on the same period of time, you get a more realistic understanding of what is transpiring. When you start trying to say, well, I'm going to measure this 10 years, 10 years, 10 years, five years, seven years, 10 years, five years. That's not a fair comparison. You need to keep that same block of time and population. And you'll see that we are constantly getting bigger, right? We're multiplying. Now we don't always multiply uh, at the rate we should. Uh, I don't want to get too long winded on this, but uh, it takes something like 2.3% population growth to maintain a culture which means some people need to have three children and some people are going to have two. The family that doesn't have any children only has one depletes those numbers somewhat. It is right now, as I understand it, only because we include Mexico, the, um, the Christians in Mexico versus the Christians in the United States, or we add them together to get our greater than 2.3% birth rating uh, and to be able to maintain our culture. So... That's another topic for another day, but something you, you may want to look into a little bit to understand how that impacts our world as well. But we'll get back to the to the housing deficit. So in 2010 to 2019, that 10 years span, we were projected to build something like 28 and a half million homes, 28 and a half million homes. Now, that's coast to coast in the country of the United States. We only built million, 5.8 million. So there's a huge deficit there. I mean, we're talking 20 million plus homes that didn't get built from the 2010 to the 2019. So that's the hole we got in in 2020. In 2020, we're already starting off 20 million behind. If we didn't miss a lick and we built as hard and as fast as we could go for this entire 10-year period, I dare say we will not have caught back up. That based on those numbers, because not only was it 2010 to 2019, 28 and a half million homes, 2020 to 2019 is like 32 million homes, right? There's an increase because there's a population increase. So the the higher anticipated number, and we're already starting off behind. So if we have to have, you know, uh, 30 million homes and we start off 20 million homes behind, that's 50 million homes. My God, that's astronomical. Now, eventually we'll have to hit those kind of numbers, but you wouldn't have hoped that we would have gotten there now. So um, as much as we like to think, there's two things that are going to happen. People are either going to make sacrifices. And by making sacrifices, I mean they're either going to buy a lesser quality home than they feel like they should be able to be or would want to live in for their dream home. Or they're going to do like I'm doing and my two adult children live with me. So instead of them having to go out and pay rent or buy something else, they've just moved in with dad. Now, honestly, dad should be charging them some rent. And I need to consider that or they may never leave. <laughs> but, um, but you know, in tough times, that's what you have to do. You hunker down, you help each other get through it. And, and we're about to have the grandbabies coming and living with us, too. So we're going to add that to the mix um, until we can get through this crisis time. So if we take that we have this huge shortage in the marketplace and then we take this what we call gray inventory people that are 90 days plus behind on their mortgage payments or rent and we anticipate this now I'm, I, I don't have the numbers other than this one article I saw today at 3.8 3. million people are about to be thrown out of their homes. Um, he was equating that to the 4 million illegal immigrants that are being brought into the country who. Will probably be given voting rights, and uh, so take that for what it's worth. But they, um, you know, it's four million of them, so they've equated this as being throwing Americans out of their house to let immigrants move in, and the government pay pay for it or write the checks. I'm not going to be quite so quick to go there yet. You you had to do the research and figure that out on your own. But but remember that 30% number is where we started this conversation, and we're kind of back to it. Uh, you got to look at what your interest rate is going to be that you can afford, and they're willing to offer you at this time. And then you've got to be able to take where your payment, your comfort level is at. So again, um, if I'm making four thousand dollars, my thirty percent payment is twelve hundred dollars. And now I say, okay, you know, what does twelve hundred dollars buy me if I divide that into a factor? Then um, you know, then I'll get what the uh, what the level of houses that i can buy for that you can't just say well i'll just tighten up for a little while and things will come back and so i'll go ahead and take on a two thousand dollar payment when I only afford can only afford 1200 first of all the banks are not going to let you do that if you're paying cash i wouldn't recommend you do it I mean you know if you're getting outside of those parameters those numbers you're bound to lose somewhere on the investment side of your real estate so i would say, be very cautious about getting outside of that. If I'm gonna go live in this neighborhood over here with $250,000 homes, and I wanna build a $250,000 home, I don't wanna go in there and be the biggest guy in the neighborhood or the smallest guy in the neighborhood. Right now, the way the economy is and the way our political environment is, I would, I'm i recommending to everybody to be a little more conservative, step down to a little more conservative neighborhood than you think you that you can qualify for or should be in and uh, and if you want to call it rough in it so be it but let's let's hold back some money uh, i also tell people to do long-term mortgages 30 or 40 years whatever they can get uh, as long as there's no prepayment in, uh, penalties involved in that so if you're wanting to do a 15-year mortgage because you want to be out of that payment in 15 years then go ahead and do the 30-year mortgage but make the 15-year payment and you're still going to pay it off in 15 years if you make the 15-year payment. The difference will be if things get a little tough around Christmas time, that kind of thing, and you want to spend a little bit more money on the kids or grandkids, um, then you can do that by just making the 30-year payment, and that little, a little bit of extra money can go towards your festivities or your gifts or whatever, and then go right back to making the other payment uh, if that continues to be comfortable. Maybe something changes in your job situation or the income levels that you have, And it happens to be negative. You know, you break a leg or something and you have to be out of work some and and you're not getting the kind of money that you were. You get, God forbid, get terminated and you're drawing unemployment, which is lesser than what you were making. And if you bought all the house you can buy, you're the one that's going to be on the, on the chopping block. You'll be one of those 3.8 million people they're talking about because your, your situation changed and you hadn't anticipated or prepared for it. So I'm recommending to my clients, be conservative, be prepared for anything and everything. Um, you know, I'm a big, uh, Clark Kellogg guy. Let's put some reserve money back and make sure your bills can be paid even at the very worst of times, no matter what happens and you'll be safer for it. Hey, I'm the same guy that's buying extra canned goods. Every time I go to the grocery store, I'm not buying gaz- gazillions of them, but I'm stocking up my cupboards to give me, you know, a- as long a period of time as I can, when the time comes that the food shortage breaks out and, uh, and in case things were to get ugly, I want to be able to hunker down and survive, uh, as well as with my family. So uh, that's my that's my advice to you: is being conservative. Uh, do your research, check these things out. Don't take my word for it. Look into it and see. If you have any questions or comments, by all means, uh, give me a shout. Tap in here and leave the comments here. Or come by my office or call or whatever. If you happen to be in Brunswick County, North Carolina, I'm right here. So. Uh, you know, we can't hurt ourselves by talking about it. We just need to be prepared. We're not prepared. You know, I watch, I see somebody make a comment I've never heard before. And I go, oh my God, where have I been? How did I miss that? Let's, let, you know, this guy with the 3.8 million homes that are getting ready to go into foreclosure or whatever that he's projecting. Um, I, you know, I want to see if I can support that with some numbers, but, you know, if that's true, that's tremendous. Um, and it's, it's probably the only way we're going to ever see home values come back down. Uh, I don't know. If you, I don't want to use the word reasonable because I don't know that it's not reasonable now. Uh, you know, the natural progression is for prices to go up. That way, if you're the guy that bought a house five years ago and the price has gone up a couple percent every year, your house is worth more than you owe on it. It makes it an easy transition to get out of. If you're in a situation where you you borrowed a hundred percent on the house and you know, it was a brand new house and so now that you're living in it, it's no longer brand new. It's existing. And and it, the comparables of that bring the numbers down a little bit. You may find yourself hard to get out of a house that you owe more on it than it's currently worth in that environment. So, uh, you know, that happened to us a lot when in the bubble burst back in the uh, early 2000s. So it, it's something to be be cognizant of, be aware of it. You know, the banks learned a lot about their process. And foreclosures and everything when it was, when there was a big, huge drop on the market and they've learned to slow down what they put out of the market and give people every opportunity to keep their house. We got to do the same thing and we got to learn how to be prepared. So when those times come, the opportunities are there and the options are open for us. So, all right, I'm done boring you for today. So remember the 30% number, uh, keep your eyes out there for what's happening in the, what we call the gray inventory Uh people may be at risk of losing their houses and uh, there might be some buying opportunities in that so if you're on the fence about buying it's worth taking a look and see what's out there i know my box gets hit a little bit more every day with some distressed properties and auction sales and i know that um, banks are ordering more foreclosed appraisals from me so we know that is upticking um, but according to what this other article said it's not just an uptick it's could be a huge number relatively quickly kind of like i said the stock market was set up to decline and to have huge numbers well we didn't get the huge drops per se i'm not talking about i'm saying the 18 range of drop we didn't get that but we have had a record drop in the stock market for the month and that is probably going to continue over to next month as well so keep an eye on that if you're all your retirement money and all your funds are wrapped up in In the market, you know, you may want to consider a more conservative approach for a little while until you can see what's going on here. All right. I'm I'm not your uh, financial broker, so I'll stay out of that. I'll stay out of that lane and stay in my lane over here in the real estate and appraisal world. I run a little over again today. I don't know why I get long winded. Uh, I like I like podcasts. I could do them all day. I love to hear myself talk, I guess. My name is Keith Hanning. I'm with NC Realty Services and South Bay Developers. If you're anywhere near Brunswick County, North Carolina, Brunswick, Columbus, New Hanover, Horry County, South Carolina, you know, and you're in the housing market, you should stop by and see me. I don't have a shortage. We can build you a new modular package today, give you the best built quality construction on the market that there is for the very best price. My job here is to get people the best price as fast as I can without sacrificing the quality. And I don't just say that, I believe it wholeheartedly. Uh, that I work with people and I'm always on your side of the desk, not going to be your mortgage broker, your financial broker. Uh, I I might point you in the right direction. If we've got obstacles to overcome some people I know that have done it, have been doing this a long time, but I'm not, I'm not wearing those hats for you. I'm not going to sell you a house and do the appraisal. I just don't wear two hats for any client, but uh, I'm here. If you just want to talk, if you want to do a podcast, I'm working on, and I'm sorry, it seems like I've had a gap but I've got a few video podcasts out there and I've got, (laughs) I've got to learn all this new technology to figure out how to post the video stuff. So um, look forward to that. If you're the kind of person that's a a producer and likes to do that kind of stuff, to produce video podcasts and things, you know, give me a shout, hook up with me. I can, you know, this thing is done online. You could do it from anywhere and you could jump in there and edit and produce, you know, the material for us and help keep our show a little, a little bit better, higher quality than what we've been doing, but uh, I, I welcome it anytime. I welcome your feedback as well. Again, Keith adding NC Realty Services, South Bay Developers in Brunswick County, North Carolina, uh, and looking forward to serving your, your needs anytime. Until we sp- speak again or see each other again on one of the videos, God bless and take care.